This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Overtime Open Line is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed, Reed Wilkins, Wilkins on, on Oilers, Oilers Radio. Radio. 6.30 Chad. Here's Malkin down the slot. Wrist shot score off the rush. 3-2 Pittsburgh. And just like that, the second power play goal of the night for the Penguins off a rather innocuous looking rush has regained the lead for Pittsburgh. 7.37 to go in the third. And that was the decisive goal tonight of Jenny Malkin in the third period. Penguins beat the Oilers 3-2. And another night where the Oilers special teams come up short, well short. And it's costing them some points here as they are 3-7-1 to start the season. The Penguins go 2-for-4 on the power play. The Oilers go 1-for-5. Edmonton did have some good moments on special teams, including killing off a long two-man disadvantage in the second period. But by the end of the night, not good enough. And uh, another game slips away here. Six straight games. The Oilers have been tied after two periods. They've only won two of those games. And you can roll tonight's results into the percentages for the season. The Oilers' power play actually moves up a percentage uh, point tonight to 13.2. The penalty killing is at 68.3% on the season. It was just over 70% coming in, and it continues to be a huge problem. The Oilers have allowed 13 power play goals against this season. They have scored only five, so that's an eight-goal differential right there, 11 games into the year. Thanks for tuning in tonight. It is 9.41, overtime open line, courtesy Canadian Brewhouse from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. I'm Reed Wilkins, along with former NHLer Rob Brown. Rob, there's there's a lot to talk about tonight. There were some uh, exciting moments. There were some good goal taking again. There were some offensive chances that, that weren't finished, I think, going both ways. But... I mean, I think we have to start with the special teams as the headline tonight because, once again, the Oilers are outscored on special teams by one goal. They lose the game by a goal. Well, at the beginning of the game, you asked me what job one for the game was, and I said it's got to be specialty teams. The Oilers need to win that battle. They hadn't won it enough this year, and that's a big reason why they are where they are in the standings. And again tonight, uh, I mean, they give up two power play goals and neither one of them were on the five-on-three that the Penguins had for an extended period of time. The the Penguins get a, a power play later in the third period. They capitalize. How many times have we seen this year where the Oilers have had power plays late in third periods and they've got nothing at all? Now, I think on their power play, it, it's coming. They, they're getting a number of chances. They're getting good looks. Uh, those players are not going to continue to miss those opportunities. The goaltenders are not going to continue to make big saves. Having said that, on the back end, the penalty killing, 68% or in the 60, that's unheard of at the National Hockey League level. It's uh, a bad power play in the NHL usually is in the low 80s. Something in the 60s that you cannot win 
in the National Hockey League. You can't be a playoff hockey team in the National Hockey League if your penalty killing's in the 60%, in the 70%. You, you just can't. Uh, the Oilers are a team that like to play physical, but they, gotta, they can't. They've got to back off their physicality because they can't afford to take penalties. And it seems like every silly penalty that they do take, they give up a goal against. And they take silly penalties. Tonight, the, the penalty where Cassian was on the bench and played the puck coming up the boards before he got all the way in. We've actually seen those calls in the last year and a half. You, the players know that. You just can't do that because you're not confident enough as a penalty killer to kill it off. So uh, this team is not going to move forward until it fixes its specialty teams, and that's the only way they're going to become a, a playoff team again. And they, they cannot beat the Eastern Conference, and I mean literally, because mm-hmm. they, they, have, do not, they don't have a win against an Eastern team this year. They're 0-5-1. The only point they scratched out was the overtime loss in Pittsburgh last Tuesday. And uh, the next six games are New Jersey, Detroit, the Islanders, New Jersey, the Rangers, and Washington, of course, all Eastern teams. And they just have lost here to uh, Pittsburgh and Washington in the last two. They're in a tough spot right now, 3-7-1. On the season, uh, you know, mentioned uh, the specialty teams. I mentioned games being tied after two periods. They haven't been able to swing enough of those in their favor, getting the, the key goal to go ahead and then holding the other team off. Definitely a lot to work on. You can get us at 780-496-0063. It's 944. We'll go to the phone lines and welcome Jed to the show. Hi, Jed. Hi, guys. Uh, Rob, I'm just thinking about the power play. Maybe there's a little bit of routine in there, and that's what you guys were saying during the broadcast. They're giving them the left side. They know that it's there, and and what the teams are doing is they're shifting over, and they're just letting them have the left side. And we're seeing that uh, they know who the puck's going to. McDavid's going to take it up on the, the the left side or the right side, swinging around. And maybe if they shake it up a little bit and move a couple of guys and start swinging it around in a circle a bit, you might see a little bit more... Uh, more shots but you say they are getting shots but i i think uh, the teams know how to play their power play well there's just not enough there well you're right about that i mean every every team in the national hockey league has a guy that his sole job is he is the video guy so in the video guy's world he takes every power play that the other team is going to have in the last weeks every time you've played against him and you know exactly what the other team is going to do you know it. Now, what Todd McCullen talked about, I think it was last game, he said they become too static. They become too stationary. They're not moving around, and they become too predictable. And it's true. The Oilers keep going back to the well to the same things. That's why he changed the lineup in the power play, so they mix that all up, and he wants them moving around more. As a penalty killer, it is easy to kill against a team that stays stationary because you don't get running around, you don't get tired. Power play goals usually happen when player, the, the defending team is running around, when they get fatigued because it's been a long power play and they're moving all over the place. If you don't make the penalty killers move, you're doing yourself a disservice. And I think that's one thing you're seeing. Now, there are, they are getting chances, they're getting looks, but they're not getting as many as they had last year because they're not moving around as much as they did last year. 3-2, the Penguins beat the Oilers. That does mean a $50 donation courtesy of Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world, to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. 25 bucks every time the Oilers score this season. The total's up to 650. You can also track it on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. And, Rob, so many little key moments that could have swung the game, given the Oilers a two-goal lead. They're down two men for a minute 42. Cassian steps out of the penalty box. He had the first minor, and the he perfect timing gets gets a pass whipped ahead to him out of the penalty box 
can't finish on the breakaway. The Oilers did finish killing it off. They're still up 2-1. 30 seconds left in the second period. Maroon cross-crease to McDavid, just misses a tap-in. Eight seconds later, very similar play. Crosby breaking in cross-crease to Sheary. It's in and second straight game. The Oilers give up a goal late in the period, last minute of a period. Well, well the big one was the Cassian one. Um, there's nothing more demoralizing when you're on a five-on-three power play for an extended time and you don't score and you give up a goal to the other team coming out of the penalty box. If all of us, if Cassian scores there, this place would have went nuts. The Penguins would have been sitting on the bench thinking, okay, we just had a five-on-three to tie this up 2-2. Instead, now all of a sudden we're down 3-1. That's probably the game. Now, I mean, give credit to, to Murray on the save. It was a huge save at a huge moment. That's something that we've talked about. Goalies have to do that for their team. But that would have been demoralizing for the Penguins. Then again, late in the period, the Oilers have a, an odd man break. Maroon goes back door to Connor McDavid, and he just misses him. And if that puck is a, a two inches shorter, it's a tap-in goal, wide open net. All of a sudden, you're going into the third period again, up 3-1, feeling good about yourself, demoralizing, giving up a goal late in the period. What happens? McDavid misses the puck. The puck comes all the way around. And the Oilers had gotten caught. It's a two-on-one with Sidney Crosby, and he doesn't make mistakes. Puts it backhand to Sheary, and Sheary puts the puck in the net. And again, the Oilers are looking up the score clock saying, okay, this should be 3-1. Instead, it's 2-2. Going into the, the intermission, it's a 2-2 tie, yet one team, the Oilers, are feeling down about themselves. The other team, Pittsburgh's feeling up about themselves, and you saw that in the third period. So a uh, couple breaks. A couple bad bounces and a couple capitalizations where the Oilers didn't do cost them the hockey game. World Series is in the top of the ninth. Houston batting with a 5-1 lead on the Dodgers as we look at the advantage trailer rentals out of town scoreboard. The Blackhawks shut out the Flyers 3-0. The Devils, who are here on Friday, lead the Canucks 1-0 after 2. Also after 2, Toronto and Anaheim are tied 1-1. And in the second period, San Jose has a 1-0 lead on the Nashville Predators. 3-2 Penguins beat the Oilers here at Rogers Place. 780-496-0063 is our call-in number. We'll bring Greg onto the show. Hi, Greg. Hey, guys. How's it going? Doing pretty good. Hey, Rob. Don't you have uh, some kind of, like, uh, scoring record uh, at some point in your career here? Uh, in the Western Hockey League about 30 years ago, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, do you ever think about lacing them up again and uh, suiting up for the Oilers' power play? Because, <laughs> wow, that's predictable. Like... It's that QT Wootsy pass um, to the side of the net, and they try to tap it out front. It's not working. Um, you know, McDavid uh, uh, on the wrong side of the ice there, where his only option for a one timer is the cross ice pass. That's getting predictable. Like you, what happened to the good old, um, you know, guy in, man in front, pass to the blue line, hammer the puck in front of the net, and go for the rebounds. That they, the same thing that they said last year too with the others. You can't pass it into the net. You have to shoot it. Um, our penalty kill is also atrocious, but special teams are costing us. I mean, I can see we're playing better. I can see, you know, some of the goalies are making some good saves, like at the end of the game where Maroon knocked that pass down and the backhand almost tied the game up, but the goalie made a good save. So we are playing better, but our special teams, it's time to shake it up a little bit. It's time to do something a little bit different. And maybe go back to the basics of uh, get a guy in front, shoot the puck, and go for the rebounds. No, you're right. You're right. Every team I've ever played on, every coach I've ever had, when the power play doesn't go, he says, all right, one pass and shoot. One pass and shoot. 
and then we'll work off of that. So that's I know that they're working a ton on specialty teams in practice. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know what's going to happen with the penalty kill because I, I, it, it is not good. It's not good at all. And I think it's costing the team more so than the power play is. And it, it's one thing to not score in a power play, but it's really demoralizing when every time you kill a penalty, they're scoring. So I don't know if they start shaking it up on who they put on the penalty killing uh, or if they're going to shake it up by changing the way they penalty kill. But something's got to change because what they've done so far at 60-some percent, 68%, is not near good enough. Well, hashtag up. bring Rob Brown back, right? So. <laughs> I certainly wouldn't be penalty killing. <laughs> Thanks, Greg. We appreciate yeah. it. And the, the special teams will continue to be our adjustment of the game for Alberta's chiropractors. Life is the roughest game of all. Feel better, move better, live better. With help from your chiropractor, visit albertachiro.com. The winner tonight by the Penguins on the power play, Malkin, at 12.23 of the third period. That gave it a 3-2 decision for the Penguins, and the Oilers had two power plays in the first. I mean, the Oilers spent four of the first six and a half minutes of the third period on the power play. Couldn't get the goal to go ahead, though they did score a power play goal earlier. It was scored by Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Let's hear from him for GCL Diesel, serving oil country for 45 years with genuine diesel parts at wholesale prices. Uh, another tight hockey game, Ryan. You guys come out on the wrong end of it. Uh, maybe frustration level out with that result. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think this one's pretty hard to swallow right now. I think we were right there the whole game. Um, wasn't much separating us. I thought, uh, if anything, we outplayed them a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, right now, just kind of tough to swallow. You had a really good chance there at the end of the game. Yeah, I, I haven't <clears throat> seen the replay or anything, but I um, thought I had a chance to go in. But I don't know if he just kind of sat on me or what. But. Um, fortunately, it didn't go in and didn't get a good enough rebound to get that second chance. Pretty ticky-tacky <sighs> Yeah, I don't really want to comment on that right now. Ryan, the, the power play had a couple of looks early in the third there that maybe could have swung the tie back your guys' way. There was new units tonight. What, what do you think overall of that advantage? Um, I mean, I, we did get that one. I thought uh, we did move it around quite well. Um, would have been nice to definitely get the second one, especially in the third there. Um, but still, we had chances. But uh, like, I mean, just gotta try to find that uh, another one. I mean, sometimes your power play can win a game, and um, hasn't done that yet this year. So we gotta uh, keep trying to find that. Read that's Ryan Nugent Hopkins. All right, that's Brendan Ulrich working the Oilers' room tonight. He got a goal, also two minor penalties tonight, and he was in the box for the game winner. It's a tough night. Tough night. Tough night for the entire Was that a ticky-tack penalty? You heard Jim Matheson ask the question. <sighs> yeah, I mean, it is interference. You know exactly what he's doing, and yeah. every player does it. They're, I mean, he's a forward-playing defense. He knows that he can't – he's not going to be able to skate backwards as fast, so you kind of put your body in the uh, position. Uh, surprising it's called at that point in the game, yes. But if in the first period, that would have been a penalty. And I also thought the Oilers – I was a little surprised – Gensel got two two penalties on that play. I think he, each referee made a different call. This was in the second period, the double minor, because he got a trip and a hold. He didn't get the minor and mouthing off. He didn't trip a guy and then go cross-check a guy blatantly a few seconds later. I was a little surprised. I'm glad you said that because it, I'm watching the power play and I'm like, oh, that's been a long play. They must have it all killed off. And I look up, there's still a minute 40 no, to it go. It was a hold and a trip. I, oh. I think the back referee called a hold. 
and then the referee closer because he definitely tripped Yamamoto. Yes. I mean, he didn't know where the puck so, was, and he spun and he spun around with his stick and put it in Yamamoto's legs. But I think they were calling him the one right a, at the blue line, right yes. at the blue line. He spun and come, him around. Coming yes. in, Yamamoto came in, and uh, the Oilers also got a huge break because Latang's flipping the puck off the wall. I don't know if it would have got out, but it would have been at the blue line as opposed to 20 feet from the net. Now, McDavid made a sensational oh, play with it. But silly play. But silly. Latang was uh, was angry, and that's that was a good break yeah, for the Oilers. It, it, but that happens all the time. Sure. And, that, and that's not on the, the ref or the linesman's fault. It, that's where they have to stand. You hit them, and it's unfortunate. And that one was very costly for the Pittsburgh Penguins, but yeah, that happens a lot. Penguins win it 3-2 over the Oilers. We have Dan on line 3 at 780-496-0063. Hi, Dan. Hey, guys. How are you doing tonight? Very good. All right. Um, well, I'm a little disappointed in Nuge. I mean, that second penalty was at three, but, you know, that's that's two penalties, two goals against. Um, what I want to talk about is the bigger picture. I mean, you guys, give me your honest opinion. Look at this roster. McDavid. Dreisaitl, Talbot, some of the defense. Is it a 3-7-1 and one team? No, it shouldn't be. I, I think that the special teams are terrible, quite frankly. I mean, they're both in the bottom three in the league, if not the bottom two now. We'll see what the update is after the night. Uh, but I also think there are players we've seen play better who aren't playing to that level. I think that's the two biggest problems. Dan, are you still there? I mean... Uh, on the on the television broadcast, they were going after him in the first intermission for only playing McDavid and Drive versus Crosby. Now you have home ice advantage. You have last change. Why do you only put those two out versus Crosby? Why not take advantage? We have who do they have? Sheehan, Riley Sheehan. Why not play them against him? Their fourth line. Mix it up. I I don't get why you would match them up against Crosby every single shift doesn't make sense. Well, I, I guess there's the the fear that you have no one else that can play against Crosby's line. That's my guess. Well, isn't that what Nuge is for? Well, Nuge was going against Malkin. Theoretically? Nuge was going against Malkin's line. Yeah. Well, then you have the question of, you know, we have McDavid and Dreisaitl. They have Crosby and Malkin. You know, I understand they got a goal tonight, which was on, like you guys were just saying, kind of a fluky bounce. But, you know, it's... I, I just think it's time to question the coach sometimes here. It, that's I called in last time against the, you know against the Penguins, and it, it seemed like you know he put Lucic out in the three on three. He was screwing with the lines all game, and it's not working. I'm sorry if this was if this was Montreal, this is Toronto. They'd be calling for his head, but it's Edmonton, so we give him a free pass. Well, I mean, well, you know, I don't know about a free been, pass. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think there's less criticism of McClellan uh, because he's coached in the league a long time. Rob and I have taken plenty of calls from past coaches where people wanted their heads. Trust me. Um, I mean, I don't know. The, the, the line matching, McClellan was asked about it this morning. He said a lot of times it is one against one, two against two, three against three, four against four at this time of the year. I mean, in Pittsburgh... Sullivan was putting Crosby out against McDavid. Now, uh, the Astros just won the World Series, by the way, 5-1. In in Pittsburgh, Sullivan was putting Crosby out against McDavid when he had Mm -hmm. last change. So I I don't think 
with all respect to Dan, I don't think line matching is why the Oilers are losing all these games. No, and, and in all honesty, too, when it comes to line matching, uh, the, it's the defensive pairing that really affects the forwards. So if Connor McDavid, it doesn't matter if he's playing against Sidney Crosby, it's, it's Chris Letang who's on the ice. And that's every time that Connor McDavid stepped on the ice, Chris Letang was coming over the boards, whether it was someone changing to get him out there. That's what affects him more. Uh, I, I, I have no problem with Connor going head-to-head against Sidney Crosby. It's the two best players going head-to-head. Um, you sometimes shortchange them. And I know that the, the Oilers didn't go. I mean, their, their fourth line barely played tonight. So it wasn't as though they did out against other people. But I don't know if... The Oilers are deep enough, and this is something we've talked about. The, the Oilers' third and fourth line have not produced. Their third line, line tonight had Strom at center, who um, I don't know is, is strong enough defensively to go head-to-head against either Malkin and or Crosby. And then your fourth line, you're not going to throw them out against the other team's top two lines. So Nuge is going against Malkin. Uh, McDavid's going against Crosby. I don't know if there's a whole lot of other options. Oilers lose 3-2 to the Penguins. We've got more time for your phone calls. You'll hear from head coach Todd McClellan when we get back. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. This is the Rogers Post Game Show on the Oilers Radio Network. Radio Network. Held up by Hornquist, who got it to Crosby. Now Malkin winds, fires a slapper to glove save made by Cam Talbot. Face off on light, left side. Malkin one-timer save. Cam Talbot. Crosby, a hard pass back into Malkin's feet with 50 seconds to go on the five-on-three. Edmonton two, Pittsburgh one. Malkin face off to one-timer. Hornquist a save made and a rebound slapped the other way by Chris Russell. Cam Talbot and his saves of the game for Armor Insurance. Protect your car, home, and business with Armor at armorinsurance.ca. A big reason why the Oilers killed off a two-man disadvantage in the second period. However, Penguins scored two other times on the power play and beat the Oilers 3-2 tonight at Rogers Place. Also, if you missed it, the Houston Astros have won the World Series 5-1 in Game 7 over the L.A. Dodgers. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for tuning in. You can get us at 780-496-0063, and we have Alex on the line. Hey, Alex. How's it going, guys? Yeah, good. I don't know, guys. I think I'm going to start drinking heavily here. Uh, man, 3-7-1 in New Jersey could be 3-8-1. I already did the math. After that, they'd have to go uh, 42 and 29 just to get 91 points in the season. Rob, you hit it straight on the nose. This team isn't good enough. They don't have the depth. They don't have a third and fourth line, and uh, if those special teams don't get it together real quick, they're not going to make the playoffs. I, I don't see it happening, and I can't believe I'm saying this. You know, 11 games into it, but uh, there's no more excuses here. I mean, I love your show. I love you, Bob Stoffer, and I love. You know, and you got to keep the fans hopeful and everything, and you guys give excuses about, oh, they're going to get it together, and they're going to get the power play together, and they're going to get the penalty killing together, and Nugent Hopkins isn't going to get stupid to penalties at the end of the game, you know, or, or whatever, or this and that. There's always something. Every game, there's always something. So, I mean, the next question is, and you know what, Rob, you should get the skates on, and, and while you're at it, <laughs> Why don't you phone your buddy Paul Coffey up in Mary Lemieux and get them going too? <laughs> and then, and then we maybe we can get Yari Curie out of Finland to come back here and and Glenn Anderson to go on right wing because nothing's happening in there. Um, I like the other caller when you said earlier on. Why don't we just like you know uh, simple it up and get some big bodies in front of the net and get someone who can shoot the puck? But the problem is we don't have anyone to shoot the puck. 
You know, you know what, Alex? Of- Alex, hold on. That is a great point. I'm glad you brought that up. Because as much as, as, as people have, have talked about, well, why didn't they replace Sekera? Well, you know, whatever. You weren't going to sign, you know, Johnny Oduya and replace Andre Sekera. They continue to not have a winger that has a threatening shot. And I don't think we've talked about that enough. A winger or a D-man, you mean? A no, D-man. a winger. A winger. They do not have a left or right wing with a, th- with a threatening shot who can get it off. Yeah, you're probably right, yeah. Sorry, Alex. I'll give you 20 more seconds, then we're going to go to Todd. Okay, okay. Give me 20 seconds. I remember phoning in here uh, before the season started, and I, I was whining about having Strom and uh, signing Jokin in and not doing anything to actually get a defenseman to, to replace Sakura. And I was roasted on air, you know, because we had expectations and assumptions that this team was going to be good and this and this and this and that. I might as well get on a roll. Uh, this team is not built. Uh, uh, they don't have a winner. They're not built uh, to win Kunhawk games, period. All right. Appreciate it, Alex. Uh, I, still, I still do disagree with anybody that says you can just get a defenseman who would have replaced Sekra. You can't. Any well. additional defenseman who would have been signed would have been fifth on your depth charter At lower, best. Which, At doesn't, best. which doesn't replace Andre Sekra. And Larson and Clefbaum have not performed at the level they did last year. No, no, they have not even close. Not even close. Penguins beat the Oilers 3-2. Head coach Todd McClellan for GCL Diesel, serving oil country for 45 years with genuine diesel parts at wholesale prices. Todd, your team killed off the five-on-three, and then Pittsburgh ended up getting the two power play goals. Was it turning point? You had two power plays early in the third period, tied the game, and you couldn't get your power play to goal. Well, the, the pattern is uh, similar to the way it's been for a lot of games. We give up a goal late in the period, and... Um, you know, whether it ties it up or it changes things, we come out in the third and we do have those power play opportunities. We didn't do much with them. Um, and then they get their their opportunity. It's a good chance they're going to get one at some point, the way the game is going, and they make good on it. So uh, the pattern is very similar from game to game, and it's something that we have to break, obviously. Todd, the goal that was late in the period, can uh, was there a... I mean, uh, was it a missed assignment? Was somebody not covering? No, well, we made a... It went from a scoring chance in one end, uh, very close to a goal on a on an entry, and uh, it ended up being a, a two-on-one going back the other way. Now, we had a defenseman committed to the rush. We want four guys in the rush all the time, but that's what happens when uh, when you don't necessarily hit the net in the, and you feed their transition coming out the other way. Uh, we could have played the two-on-one much better than we played. Patrick Maroon said after the game, I mean, you, they just have to find a way to win games. And uh, this is a good team you played tonight. You played them tough twice in a row. How do you feel your team is playing right now, even though the results aren't there for you? Well, I, well, I thought tonight was, um, you know, a pretty competitive night against the Stanley Cup champs. And uh, I thought it was even. We had some real good looks around the net again, um, you know, including with 15 seconds left or 10 or whatever it was. Uh, their goaltender made tremendous amount of saves. Uh, but, you know, we can, we can talk about what we look like and what we feel like and, and all that type of stuff. But Patty's right. We've got to win games. And uh, sometimes you've got to win ugly. Um, you know, sometimes you need a, a shot off a, a shin pad in, that type of stuff, to, to win games. And uh, right now that's not happening for us. Todd, if you go back basically a calendar year with this group, it's a lot of the same guys. Your penalty kills function around 75% since last November. What, when you look at tonight and you talk about it, they get one of the key time you don't. But when you evaluate your penalty kill, 
Are guys, is it bad stick placement? Are they moving? Is it inexperience? Is it the system? Well, if, we look at, if we look at the two goals tonight, um, the first one, we're in pretty good position. The shot goes off Clefbaum's ankle, it goes right back up to the top. He's stung for a second, he can't recover back uh, to the net. Leon's actually in the shooting lane, they shoot off the net and they deflect it in. It happens. Okay. The last one was the one that was disappointing. We're, we're in position. We have um, an opportunity to hold the line. We don't. We give the line up, and then we get skated um, on an entry, and that's a, that's a very preventable um, penalty kill situation for me. It's not like they're picking us apart like Dallas did and go through the seams. That is 100% preventable on, uh, on just about every occasion, and we didn't prevent it. Uh, can you win any games if your bottom six players never give you a goal? Well, I think we're, we're uh, answering that question with our record. And what you're seeing from your own power play. I thought it was much, much more dangerous tonight than it was uh, in the last few games. Uh, it created, especially early in the game, it created a number of opportunities um, and sustained a little bit of momentum. Got us a goal tonight, which was important. Got the monkey off our back there and uh, fell off a little bit in the third period. Um, didn't get the momentum going the way we needed it to. And sometimes you don't have to score in your power play, but you got to come out of it with energy. And uh, right now, with our numbers being low and, and not capitalizing on it, when you don't score, you we're not coming out with the energy that we need. So it can affect you a number of different ways. Are you starting to see more from what you want from Strom, Kajula, and Slepshev you had as a line tonight? I thought they, were, they, I thought they had a good night. I thought they created, they skated. Um, I think Drake's game is coming around. And uh, I thought Anton had a, had a good night as well, Stromer. Um, I thought they were, uh, they were dangerous for the most part, and they buzzed and created turnovers. Um, you know, so that, if that line can keep coming, that's a good sign. Um, I thought we needed a little bit more from Nuge's line um, and didn't get that, but, um, you know, we'll, uh, we'll keep pushing there. And then uh, the fourth line... I know Zach Cassian had a breakaway, you know, so eventually those got to go in and, and then we're fairly happy with the performance there. Good night. All right. That's it. Coach Todd McClellan. Oilers lose 3-2 to the Penguins. Edmonton 3-7-1 on the year. He was asked, can you win games without getting any goals at all from your third and fourth line? He said, I think we're answering that question. The goals tonight come from Dreisaitl and Nugent Hopkins. 780-496-0063. We'll welcome Cam to the show. Hey, Cam, go ahead. Hey, boys, how's she going? It's going all right. Right on. Well, I'm I'm stay calm guy. You guys know that, so I, I stay pretty calm. But the first thing I was going to say is, uh, are you guys aware that in 2014 in June that Sports Illustrated had on their front cover uh, your 2017 World Series champion, Houston Astros. Yes, Rob and I were, talked about it during the intermission, actually. I've, I've been uh, well aware of that. Yeah, and that's when they were losing 100 games a year, right? They'd lost 100 games the previous three years. I think they lost 90-some that, that year, but yeah, they were bad. Buddy Axon was the guy that wrote the article, so that's pretty cool. I just thought you guys would be interested in that, but you already knew that. I'm going to um, call that buddy up and ask what the lottery numbers are going to be three years from now. Yeah. For sure, for sure. Well, um, goaltending is at 900. I'm not going to belabor it, but we're, I think we dropped below 900 tonight, or Talbot did. So um, 
you know, grade A, grade A opportunity and on that third goal. But you know, it was a it was a fluff. And um, so the bottom line is that you know, at this, I went through today objectively. Like I'm not out to, to fry anybody, but I, I went through, including tonight. Uh, and I've got six to seven games, and I'm, I'm being really fair, but six minimum, and probably seven. Where if we flip goaltenders with the other team, we're going to win the win the hockey game. So that's just a fact. I mean, is he going to snap out of it? Sure, he might. He may or may not. To me, it sends everybody into a tailspin. When the goaltending is not there, then other variables start getting you know scrutinized. I understand penalty killing is an issue, but I I was always you know, educated or of the belief as a coach and as a player that your best your best uh, penalty killer is your goaltender, and then the other thing is coaching. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna come down on Coach McClellan. I've been watching him since he was in junior, and, and I do like him. I think he's good. I think he's smart. I think he just went through the whole game in that press conference. I think he nailed it. Like there's no question he gets it. Um, I'm just gonna say that it's a jungle. And Peter Shirelli is in the jungle with Todd McClellan, and these guys are trying to win. And I just I don't think this pace can go on very much longer before there's going to start being some some uh, some questions about whether it's getting done either on one guy's side or the other guy's side. I think personally the team's good enough. Um, I, I do. I think the team is good enough. I don't think the goaltending's there right now. And, and some of the special teams are probably a spinoff of that. But I think the team's good enough. I think this team right now, exactly what McClellan said, I thought that third line was flying around tonight. I thought that there was great puck movement at times. You know, I thought that the team looks good. So I, I'm not concerned about the team. I'm concerned that if, if the goaltending doesn't get going, then there's going to be unnecessary constant motion and constant juggling and we're not addressing the core issue that's my that's my concern so all right Cam. appreciate yeah. it buddy always good yeah. to have you call in for sure penguins beat the oilers 3-2 i mean the oilers have had some very good goaltending performances against them in in the last week and a half murray twice uh certainly holtby uh wound up having a very good game even though he was scored twice on uh, scored a, he allowed two goals in the first period uh, when washington was here on Saturday, um, I mean Talbot definitely started the season slow. I, I don't think he's played, you know, poorly over the last couple of weeks. Really, since they went out on that on that road trip, but you know, often it comes down to one goal or or one save. And uh, you know, like you said, Rob, even if you just look at the last minute, Murray made a couple huge stops in the last minute with the Oilers pressing to tie it. Well, he, he made big saves throughout the night. I mean, at, at key moments, he did it on Cassian when they were shorthanded, which could have extended the lead till 3-1. And then he makes a couple fantastic saves late in the hockey game. And it's not as though the goals that are going in on Talbot are goals that he should save. But the goalie in the other end, a lot of these nights have made saves on goals that you thought were in. And last year... There were nights that you, you you didn't think a puck would ever go by Cam Talbot. Now, I'm not pinning any of this on Cam Talbot, but I understand what Cam says in his thing about goaltending. But there's a, I don't know if he has been 
as great, and he was great. Like he was as much the team MVP as as Connor McDavid was. He hasn't played to that level, and sometimes when the, you set the bar so high for yourself, anything under it is below the expectations of everybody watching you. So uh, there's when your team is where they are right now, near the bottom of the standings in the whole National Hockey League, there's plenty of blame to go around. Now I agree. I agree with a lot of what Todd said. Um, I think this is. There's been about four or five games this year that could have gone either way. Uh, the, the the game in Pittsburgh on that road trip, the game here tonight against Pittsburgh Penguins could have gone either way. But it's not going either way. It's going against them, and somehow right. they got to find a way to win the hockey. Yeah, game. if it's repeatedly happening, yes. then there's. I mean, you will lose close games, obviously, mm-hmm. but it's it's happening uh, fairly regularly for the Oilers to get to three seven and one on the season. And like I mentioned, the last six games have been tied after two periods, so it's there. Mm-hmm. It's there for the taking. They're two three and one in those games. So they're in a situation where if they have an extra two, three points in those games, everybody feels different about them, but they're not scratching them out. Well, last year, if the Oilers went into the third period even, did you not feel that the Oilers were going to win those games? I, I, I felt confident all season long that if they were within one going into the third period, that they were going to win those games. I, I mean, again, we are 500 miles above the ice surface. I don't have the confidence this year that I had last year when the team takes the, the ice going into a third period of a tied game. 3-2, the Penguins take it tonight. No Japanese Village goal like this evening. We do turn that on on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Whenever they score five or more in a game, then you can print up a coupon for a free appetizer at Japanese Village, downtown south side and north side. There are three locations. 780-496-0063. We'll welcome Randy to the show. Hello, Randy. How you doing? Doing quite well. Good. I, I agree with the three callers back. It's time to start drinking them. It's, a, <laughs> it's going to be a tough go to make the playoffs if we don't turn it around. And I have just love your show, and I haven't called in in 30 years, but I've watched this team since day one as an oil king in the gardens. And I'm 52 years old now, and I have never seen my first regular season game this year, and I have never seen a more emotionless hockey team in a long time there's just no, i don't think a figure skater could have got hurt with any hit out there tonight if there was a hit well you know the one thing you talked emotionless the when we watched the oilers play last year there was an intensity about them there was a hunger a desire and and you saw that game in game out and the excitement level was was, was through the roof now excitement level is easier to have when you're winning and when you're losing, it's harder to to create. But at, uh, the others somehow have to find that. They have to have that when things aren't going right for them, they got to have that excitement, that desire, that hunger to be able to get them to that next level because uh, you're absolutely right. It, it The excitement that we saw last year, and I mean, it was uh, this huge year that everyone was just waiting for it, had been waiting for it for a decade. So obviously we were all on that bandwagon but the others now got to create that type of atmosphere again and they they haven't it, it has been a quieter team a more subdued team than we saw last year randy you're going to finish the play looking for an eight-day parking pass to jet set you park park cheap and easy visit jetsetparking.com let's see what patrick has cooked up tonight sent in deep by the penguins here's ryan nugent hopkins Speed up the left-hand side, dishes off a V2. Drop pass, shot just wide from Puckerina. He's had a couple of chances tonight, Hero Puckerina. Here's Phil Kessel. 
And now a pretty soft call. Gensel was trying to dance around Ryan Nugent Hopkins. And basically, as he tried to hop around him, lost balance and fell. All right, Randy, the Penguins go to the power play in the third period. Did they score on that power play? Well, of course. All right, you win, finish the play, hang on the line. So uh, Patrick can take down your information. 780-496-0063. Malkin, the game winner with, uh, what was it, 737 to go. Penguins win at 3-2. We'll go to Pete on the line as well. Pete, thanks a lot for giving us a ring. Hi. Hello. Um, I just want to, first of all, comment on that other gentleman that called in about how in Montreal they'd be calling for Todd Pellin's head. I mean, look how that's working out for them. So we can't go back to get a new coach every year, obviously. Um, secondly, I just I think last year our defense looked better than they actually were because Talbot was stealing games so often. And I think Talbot will get better as he plays more consistently. Like, they didn't have a good schedule if it's fits Talbot's needs because he needs to play consistently. Look, look at their bye week last week. He came back and he, he was off. So I, th- I think once they play more consistently, he will be stealing games for them somewhat. But that having been said, I think the, the, the main thing they need to work on is their penalty kill because their power play, like short of getting somebody like Patrick Liney, I don't know how you really do much there, but I think your penalty kill, if that, if that gets more solid, you're not deflated so much on the power play. And I'm just wondering, like, when they traded Everlate, do you think if they would have gotten somebody like Travis Hamannick, would that have been better for the team than, than Ryan Strom? I know you're not going to replace Sekera, but Hamannick's better than Novitu or, or Griba, in my opinion. What are your thoughts? Oh, well, yeah, for sure, Hamannick would be better. Than the goal. I mean, that's, you know, that's a good question, Pete, and you made a lot of good points there. That, I mean, that there were so many trade rumors. Actually, there were more Eberle for Hamannick trade rumors the, the previous season when mm-hmm. Hamannick made that that trade request. Um, the salary for Hamannick would have been a little more than Strom. And obviously, Shirelli was clear that when he was asked the question this summer about the trade, that was the first thing he said, was that they, they needed to clear up some cap space. I mean, Hamannick's a good defenseman. So mm-hmm. would if, if Hamannick were playing for the Oilers... Would they have a better defense? I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I don't know how far along those trade discussions were when it came to, to this summer. So, I mean, there's a lot of what-ifs we can do with the lineup, especially when you're 3-7-1. and one. we got more time for phone calls, more post-game reaction after the 10-30 news. Oilers lose again, 3-2 to the Penguins. It's Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. 